I'm back, 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 back again. I am Adam. Welcome to Basic Snitches. I'm Tara. And this is, as she said, Basic Snitches. It's more important for me to say Basic Snitches than say who I am. Because apparently I'm a big deal. People know who I am. You are? Oh yeah, people like me. Well, she's a big deal. I guess you heard it here, folks. I don't know where I'm a big deal, but people like me. Maybe you misinterpreted them and they called you a big dill, like a big pickle. Oh, maybe that's because it. Because you're a huge dick. That's what it is. I, I am. That is, that is, I think, a stretch. I think we went too far on that A stretchy one. dick? Because guess what? There weren't enough dick in the last two episodes. I know Dan thinks that he had the no pants energy, but guess who did? Victoria. <laughs> Victoria made it quite a bit juicier. <laughs> Although, had her no, <laughs> no offense, Dan, you had some really great points and whatnot, oh, especially in the chapter episode. Oh, Dan. Yeah, you guys are both wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the episode with me last time. So I wasn't talking to myself. Yes, because y'all remember back in season two when I did those two by myself, that isn't nothing I wish upon anybody from either of us. Like, it's so much better to have somebody to banter with. That's no fault of either of us. Like I said, I gave you and both of them points because I really appreciate your flexibility. Oh, well, thank you. Of course. I have some explaining to do. 2022 has not been particularly patient with me yet. Work has been absolutely insane. Mid-January, not even mid, it was like mid to late January, my ad server at work told us that they were shutting down in three weeks, which is not enough time to research, onboard, and approve, and then implement a new ad server. There's a lot of stakeholders involved. That has been a big project I've been working on. I'm onboarding a brand new ABM platform. That's account-based marketing. If you're really interested, maybe I'll do a special episode on the joys of digital advertising. That has been a pain in the ass. That has there are again so many stakeholders that I needed to like sell this to and resell this to. Like this past week, every day I've had at least three to four conversations just about this. And on top of the new ad server and everything and everything else that I'm already doing. And I am well, hopefully I'm done hiring. We offered somebody a job yesterday. They're taking the weekend to think about it, but this has been something two years in the making. So hopefully that will happen. And a lot of these other projects are finally coming to fruition. The other thing, of course, Tara and I already talked about this. The snow in Northeast Ohio right now is like fucking up our lives. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she has to drive through it. I've been working from home, and I mean, I'm able to go into the office, but I look outside, I'm like, fuck that. A couple days before Hera recorded with Dan and Victoria, there was a huge blizzard, and with everything going on at work, I shoveled the driveway, like, three times in two and a half days. I was just like, you know what, I just can't. I just need to take a minute, because there's just too much stuff going on. So, that's basically what it is. One of my big New Year's resolutions this year was to have more balance and 2022 has not made that easy. And then after that, I got sick. I had like a sinus thing for a week because of the snow. I haven't been sick since before the pandemic started. So thanks a lot, fucking snow. And then last weekend, I was just starting to feel better. So Jeff, it was his birthday. It was his 47th birthday. Oh, Jeff, oh, Jeff is older than I thought he was. Yeah, he's almost 50. Like that is yeah, Jeff. shocking. I, I feel like sometimes Jeff is my age or 
sometimes even younger. No offense, Jeff. But it was his birthday, so we went out. After not really going out at all for a while, I got really drunk, really hungover. I ordered a breakfast sandwich and then got food poisoning from it when we went to the casino the next day. Oh my god, that's so not fun. And then Valentine's Day happened to top it all off. The fucking shit icing on the shit cupcake that has been this year so far. So since Valentine's Day has come and gone, hopefully you don't have to worry about that. And actually, Valentine's Day is stupid. Although I had a lovely Valentine's Day with Dana Victoria and Brian and Andrew. You always try to have like a Valentine's Day sort of thing. Yeah, this time I had all the Valentines. Andrew and Brian, you're my Valentines, get over it. She had two gay men, I had none. But what else is new? Let's take a moment to acknowledge our Patreon members. Those folks are Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Jeannie, Layla, Mary Beth, Megan, Meredith, Nisi, Olivia, and Raph. And also, we have an extra special acknowledgement today of our 12th patron member. Thank you so much to Nicole, who just joined us. Thank you all so much. This week in like real time, so today I'm editing this on February 21st, we are going to finally be expanding to our other levels of our Patreon. So for 3 to $10 a month, you can support us, get a lot of extra content, be mentioned in every episode. Feel free to go to patreon.com slash basic snitches, and you can read about all of our tiers there. In this week's exclusive, we are doing a screen rant that is actually pretty fun. If you are a Hufflepuff especially, this is a great opportunity for you to join our Patreon. Who won and lost the last chapter? Okay, so that was Aquaman thing? Yes. Can you guess who lost? Snape. Yeah. His first loss of the book, probably, because... I think so. The pink devil has been... He's just such a dick. I am sorry, I will say it's a hundred times... I was an education major, so I get a tiny bit of a right to say these things because I do know a little bit. Your job as a teacher is to teach, not berate your fucking students. You know, I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt in the past. He is a bad he teacher. He is a bad when it comes to teacher. Especially. Here's the thing: is that he's not a good teacher anyway. Yes, he knows True. His shit, and like people want to say in the next book, well. Harry actually realizes he knows potions because Snape is a good teacher. No, Harry realizes he knows potions because he's not being treated like shit in the classroom. Snape isn't teaching potions. He's reading his notes in the next yeah. book. Yeah, exactly. Like, it is different, and that is what your job is as a teacher. That being said, there is no winner of that chapter. Okay, I accept. Yeah. I also have some notes during those two lovely episodes where it was just me. Tara had some notes, so here's mine. Maybe I'll put some fun music behind it. We'll see. First of all, Dan basically said that Arthur Weasley is a Quen. Well, the only people who can decide Quens are you and I. He was not wrong, but he decided he would call him a Kang. I said Kang. You said Kang. I said that he would be a Kang. And then he said Weasley is our Kang. Kang Arthur. I mean, there's so many ways to do it. Kang is a little bit weird, though. Like, it doesn't roll off the tongue like He can be a Quen. I, I, I I am okay, because I agreed with him. And I am one of the people who can assign Quens. Sure. I agreed with him. All right. That's fine. Are the Weasley can be a Quen. Is this indeed Sirius and Harry's goodbye, like final goodbye before the end of the book? They speak to each other. Again? 
But it is not necessarily a final goodbye. It's a hurried conversation. There is another little, like, vignette that happens. Yeah, that doesn't happen in the movie, so it's not as memorable. A little spoiler alert, too. When we get to the movie part... Tara and I started a weird point in the movie, because this is where the movie goes to shit. We just kind of gave up, honestly. So I'm just going to say this now. As we were watching, we were watching the part where they're in, like, the parlor or whatever at Grimmauld Place, and there's the tapestry with all the, like, burned people. I actually have that tapestry in my conservatory. It's a pretty cool tapestry. It is. The faces are very tiny. It's still fine. I'm talking about mine. That tapestry is still much cooler in the movie. But anyways, <laughs> when that was happening, I was like, oh, wait, like, is this, like, a nod to it being a final goodbye? But it's not the final goodbye. Maybe it is in the movie. Yeah, it is this, in the movie. This movie, at this point, they jumble everything up. As we'll talk about soon, Shalani has not yet been fired. She's already been fired in the movie. Hagrid is just now returned. It's just, uh, we'll get there. Okay, stuff on Occlumency. I'm just going to read my notes. You guys talked about depression and occlumency, and I think you made a lot of good points on this. It's not the best lesson when Harry is under so much dire pressure. However, this also goes back to what I've been saying about the foundation of mindfulness for magic. Perhaps occlumency could be a first-year lesson because much of their later courses will depend on this, especially like divination and stuff. That then opens them up for the electives in year three. Maybe it's like they have occlumency the first two years and then they're like, cool, you have your basis. That gets replaced by whatever electives you choose. We might get into more of that in the curriculum episode that will be coming up later this season. You know, also maybe taught by like a psychologist at the school would be a better method rather than Snape teaching. I have some stuff on this. What if they had one who's like roomies with Pomfrey or something? Uh, Like I liked your recommendation of it going to Flitwick. This seems like a precursor to divination too almost. Trelawney is probably not great at occlumency either. She means she truly does have seer blood and she truly is an actual seer. There's probably some sort of way she's either really good at it or it's just not a thing that crosses her. Well, I say this because I'm applying real world stuff here. Like, obviously we don't see it on, please don't lick my feet. I'm trying to tell you my points and you won't stop licking my feet. That is very rude, Tara. Anyways, (laughs) they never do tarot, but before you do any divination practice, you need to almost like center yourself and everything. That keeps you open to the energies and whatnot that are beneficial for that and like I don't do scrying or anything but I imagine it's probably very similar it's something that Trani should be good at but obviously I don't think that she really is um, and we see that in these couple chapters I think the ability to be mindful lets your mind focus more on the magic that you're casting and you always want to be focused and mindful when you're doing things like the scrying or the tarot anyway this is perhaps one of the ways that Queenie in the Fantastic Beast series as a legilimens is portrayed being so spacey because she is able to use the power of meditation or occlumency or whatever to calm her mind to receive those messages, which is potentially a better way that they did that in, well, that's a movie, obviously, but in comparison to Trelawney. It's a hard practice no matter what. Like, I've been meditating daily for almost 600 days in a row in my app. I use Insight Timer. And it's hard not to get those little mind goblins completely gone, especially during a pandemic and when you're overworked and all that bullshit. So it takes a lot of practice for sure. And in short, Snape, Trelawney are... By far, not the people to teach this at best. So, like you said, Flitwick is probably a good option. He would do a bang-up job. But let's get an actual legitimate in the school so that they can teach this. Then they can also be like the school counselor or something like that. And then Pomfrey has a friend. And another point on occlumency, I'd actually recently read an article from the University of Berkeley. Not my cat school, the actual one in California. 
on why your brain needs to dream. And obviously he's doing this because of the dream that he had. So I think the focus here on going to bed and having just a blank brain, while that gets halfway there from the mindfulness perspective, it discounts some of the benefits that Harry could really use from dreaming. In short, the article covers how time spent in REM sleep dreaming is therapeutic from like difficult or even traumatic emotional episodes experienced during the day. It also enhances creativity and problem solving two things that Harry could really benefit from right now. So the focus should not be on clearing your mind and not dreaming, but strengthening your ability to calm your mind so that you can enjoy the REM sleep that is beneficial to you. But of course, we all know that Snape's inability to teach occlumency is not really helping with this anyways. So, okay. And then finally, the last thing on occlumency, I actually looked up the etymology of it, and it's a Latin pronunciation for occludere, for shut up, and mens, for mind and there is an accent on the loo so dan would technically be correct but i'm gonna still say occlumency because i like it that way i didn't say that he wasn't correct i just said that's how i said it yeah so, oh no i've always said occlumency too yeah. but and i'm gonna continue but you know that's also what they say in the movie and what jim dale says on the audiobook that's so that's true, i think though. that that definitely yeah makes me go oh that also latin's a dead language so i don't care if dan said also i did want to have a little note on the homework planner and i think that you guys talked about this too but like what is the point of a planner when it just tells you not to plan and to do it right now that's stupid you had said it's kind of like a replacement for Hermione but it's literally a useless piece of shit that when you try to plan it it harasses you yeah Yeah. so bullshit not a good gift also Hermione I was looking at point totals and Hermione and Harry surprisingly are near the top right now which is shocking to me because it's obviously not Harry's best book and I think that this is the book where Ron shines I think this is not Hermione's best book either. not at all I was like why the fuck does she have so many points so I, whatever I mean I gave them to her but then I had literally nothing really to add to the, the musical episode but the game is called Oh Ship and the musical Draco obviously would be shipped with Moaning Myrtle <laughs> I think that is very clear I love it. I love it so much. However, Victoria's answer of Lockshart was solid. Except I don't think she said Lockshart. So. She didn't. I correct her. You did. That it's Lockshart. Well done. As Tara always says, you have to listen to me speak a little bit more. <laughs> because she People don't mind me. hearing you speak a little more. I thought you were a big deal. I am. So why don't they want to hear Big deal is annoying, apparently. <laughs> to me. I'm the most annoying person I know. I'm sure everybody's self is the most annoying person that they know because, like, you know how annoying you are when no right? one's watching. Okay, but everyone else, every time I say that to someone else, they're like, you're fine. I'm, like, I'm not saying that you think I'm the most annoying person I know. I'm the most annoying person I'm, I know. When we do merch, that needs to be a thing. That we need a shirt that's like, everyone is their own most annoying person because <laughs> they know how weird they are when they're alone. Anyway, let's read the thing. Chapter 25, The Beetle at Bay. Well, big news, everyone. There's been a mass breakout at Azkaban. Almost like Dumble warned Fudge Packer this would happen. The trio learn this news from the Daily Prophet at breakfast. After they read that headline, they also learn that the ministry is blaming Sirius for the mass breakout and that Bode, who Harry met at the ministry the day of his hearing, has died from being strangled by Double Snare at St. Mungo's. Hermione runs off to send a letter and the boys head to class. Another educational decree has been issued, 26, and Hagrid and Trelawney are both on probation. Harry continues to be terrible at occlumency, and in severe contrast, Neville has stepped in the fuck up in ZA lessons. 
Then it's time for awkward teenage Valentine's Day date for Harry and Cho. Needless to say, it does not go well after unwittingly fucking up any kind of future with a girl he's been crushing on the past two years, Harry goes to Three Broomsticks to meet Hermione. Hermione has come up with a plan that begins with Harry having to relive his trauma from the previous summer again and ends with exploiting her association with Luna to have Rita Skeeter do an interview with Harry to be published in The Quibbler. Overall, a not fun chapter for pretty much everyone until the end. I love the end of this chapter. Because it is a springboard into the next chapter, which starts really, really good. The very end of this chapter is literally Harry reliving his trauma. We just don't watch it. It is. But that feels like leaning into your emotions that are negative in order to get through them. Because what happens at the beginning of the next chapter, I think, is awesome. But for the most part, yes, the rest of this is kind of like an I told you so. I just talked about how much I hate Valentine's Day, and I guess we're right on schedule because we have Valentine's Day. I will say this. This book does not paint Valentine's Day in a very positive light. And even though they were found in a pit so we don't know who the author is, I do appreciate that. Because Valentine's Day is bullshit. It's a complete corporate cash grab. Anyways, enough about that shitty day. Um, Let's talk about another shitty day. Beginning of the shitty day being that there was a mass breakout. I basically wrote in my notes, karma, it's kind of satisfying at the same time because it shows like the missteps of the ministry. Oh God, yeah. What I really was fascinated by at the beginning of the chapter is Harry noticing how all the professors at the main table are like talking about it. And Umbridge is just eating her porridge because she has to act like everything is okay. God, is she fucked? I think that she's acting poorly though. Like it's oh, something like how she's kind of quietly digging into her porridge, almost as if she knows something is wrong. Oh but yeah, she has to act that way. In this chapter and the next one, we're starting to see the unraveling of the Pink Devil, which I think that is what I've settled on for now, at least in this Dumbledore McGonagall are deep in conversation. Professor Sprout had her profit propped up. And I like how, like, Meanwhile, Egg was following her. Yeah, Yeah, I like that about Sprout, because that lives with my fantasy. She's a little bit sloppy, but it's okay. Everyone loves her. Also, it makes sense. Right. Uh, Yeah. She don't give a shit. She's just going to go to the greenhouse and get dirty. Exactly. And yeah, and then Umbridge sitting there. And she's like eating her food really fast, glaring at Dumbledore and McGonagall. I mean, it's in the news now, honey. This is just more of like, well, you see what's going on. And then you see the death of the ministry worker. Right now, obviously, is just the little like seed being planted. This guy was strangled by the plant, which I did catch on instantly. Um, after not reading this for a while, the guy who was opposite Lockchart. The healer brought him that plant as, like, a gift. When they kind of break it down, all the little clues that come up in, like, the mystery portion of the next chapter, I want to dig into that more. They do have a little bit of survivor's guilt. Yeah, it's something that they would, because it's the three of them. I I mean, I think anybody almost would, but in any instance, when something like that happens, you can't think of the what if, you know? Alas, and I mean, get ready, because I feel like there's going to be a lot more survivor's guilt coming up in your life. Poor children. (laughs) Yeah. And like I said, like, this is the start of, like, a little bit of a mystery. We haven't had too much of that in this book. And, of course, you know I love the mystery aspect. Oh, yes. This is also when we get the decree number 26. Teachers cannot talk about anything that is not involved with their subject. Unacceptable. First of all, it's dangerous. Yeah. Now the children can't write home to their parents without it being read by Umbridge. And they can't talk to their teachers. Mm -hmm. They don't have any adults that they can talk to. She has complete control of their lives at this point. 
you know, what if there is something that happens that, I don't know, fire breaks out or someone's not feeling well or whatever the case may be. Like, it's just a dangerous thing. Right. I had thought that it was because of occlumency, because it feels very much like you are being paid to teach this, so you cannot teach anything else. But I actually wonder if it came from the article. It does. I think it comes from the article. That's my opinion on that. I don't think she knows about occlumency. Safe says, you know, least of all, don't tell Umbridge. You are having everyone except for... Harry, Ron, Hermione, Snape, and Dumbledore, including, like, McGonagall is not part of this. Yeah. And, of course, Sirius, because he's there when Harry meets with Snape, it is occlumency, not remedial potion. Sirius is also his guardian. So, technically, like, that doesn't fucking matter. Like, Sirius should know. There's really no reason for Umbridge to know that, but if the teachers are talking to the kids about this breakout from Azkaban, that's just more and more reason for the kids to distrust her because she came from the ministry and she then can't hold on to to her control over them. Obviously, people like McGonagall, Sprout, Flitwick, Dumbledore, Snape, the ones that she knows are close to Dumbledore, Mm -hmm. she would be afraid that they would be talking to the kids. We even see this. This happens, obviously, in the next chapter, but all of these teachers that are giving Harry Mm -hmm. little bits of preferential treatment in lieu of what happens at the end of this chapter. Yeah. Which I'm not against. Not at all. (laughs) Because these kids don't have the freedom to talk to these teachers anymore. They're teachers for a reason. They're the ones at Hogwarts for a reason. They are not just there to be teachers. They're there to be role models for the students. And so Harry, who these three professors we know know he's going through shit and has gone through shit for 15 years they know that this kid needs some kind of support so flitwick's like here this is the only way i can show you support yeah Sprout's like this is the only way i can show you support as we said many times there's no school counselor here the head of house is almost like their school counselor yeah and now they're not allowed to talk to him yeah here. i mean they're starting to find loopholes in oh, yeah. pink devil's bullshit what i imagine is that she's afraid that someone from the trio probably harry would go to McGonagall and talk to her. Because you see McGonagall go at it hard for Harry. She knows McGonagall and Harry have a solid relationship, and Pink Bitch can't have that. Well, then it goes back to, like, what are the job descriptions? I would almost wonder, then, maybe McGonagall and Snape and Flitwick and Sprout do have something that they are being paid a little bit extra for out of house. That includes some of that. I hope so. I know that they handle the the career advice Mm -hmm. later on in this book, and they're the ones that hand out their schedules and the ones that handle their you know and like people like Trelawney and Sinestra and whatever Hagrid they don't have those responsibilities but I don't know because we don't ever see any of these students getting anything other than school related advice at the very least the fact that they are starting to find loopholes and of course there's a big loophole that gets revealed in the next chapter too of I don't even care what they're called anymore her stupid rules shows that there is I mean I feel like everybody has known this already there's a level of desperation with the way that she's putting forth all of these rules Ginny touches on it, again, I think it's the next chapter. As long as she is here and she is continuing to do this and have so much control, there's going to be a breaking point. So the fact that we're starting to see this is heartwarming to me. We'll, of course, get a little bit more into those details in the next chapter, but it's worth bringing that up because everything is fluid. I'm liking the movie. <laughs> like you said, we also learn that Hagrid is on probation. We see Trelawney on probation. Pink Double is now sitting in on all of her glasses, so that's what it's like. But part of me is like, so does that mean Grubbly Plank is just like waiting in the wings? Which, I mean, I'm not going to be mad at that. Right, we like Grubbly Plank. Also, speaking of things that are unsafe, <laughs> she's just 
just making Hagrid and Trelawney also feel unsafe in their own spaces, too. Yeah. We almost don't even need to say this shit anymore, because everything with Pink Devil obviously equates to unethical, unsafe bullshit. And then the next thing, I think, does he have another dream? Or does he have another Aquaman? It just says that he has Aquamancy and how he just constantly feels like he has a headache. The reason why I ask about Aquamancy here is because my next note is Harry and Aquamancy. Not that Harry should be a tool, but his dreams are offering like a helpful clue. Like that should be considered. I guess, maybe? I mean, yes, we want to I, I agree with you, though. I think it should be. And again, I think I've said this from the beginning. I think that we've gone about Aquamancy all wrong. And you made an amazing point with your notes on that. That should have been something taught early on. I really stand by that. I think that is, like, my number one because thing with curriculum. if flagellamency is a thing that people can just do, why are we not making sure that the children are not able to have their minds read? I don't care what Snape says. That is what it is. Even, like, yeah, I get it. Desperate times calls for desperate measures whatever but prepping somebody in their life of magic in general whether it has to do with you know being able to go about their daily lives more mindfully or not or be prepared for magic if a legilimens ability exists then i can just go around and legilimens anyone i want whenever right that's not cool it's almost a little bit assaulting yeah if you think about it i think the reason why i bring this up because they're just talking about it probably in like the comic room but like ron says what if Snape isn't actually doing it because he wants to help Harry and then Hermione says something like oh Ron like don't be so but I'm like that's a good thought that Ron has Mm -hmm. honestly it supports the whole thing with Snape of being a double agent Hermione don't be so quick to like judge and scoff at things and this is a theme with her this book stuffy I think is the word that I've said a lot I think stuffy is a good word so then that is when Hermione sends a letter they're in like the Aurie and she does the whole thing about like ah I have an idea and she sends the letter and they're like oh good Hermione didn't tell us what she was doing again also this is where Ron is like oh I can't go to Hogsmeade because we have this Quidditch practice stuff which I think the actual match is in the next chapter but it's kind of like a precursor to that again we'll get into that then but it's good to note obviously the letter because that whole like question mark is figured out very very soon and then we go to Hogsmeade and have this absolutely horrible date it's horrible and it's neither of their fault people who want to be like Cho is annoying or Harry is dumb it's neither of their fault they're teenagers they are teenagers I do think that Cho goes into this thing with some expectations absolutely but again she's a teenager do I like her expectations do I like how she handled it no I understand where she's coming from when she's like oh I thought maybe Harry would talk to me about this The way she handles it is not okay. Here's what I want to say. I don't think that it's just shocking up to that they're teenagers is enough. Like, we both know many teenagers. Well, many of them are not teenagers anymore. But when they were teenagers, they were extremely intelligent and able to, like, handle this stuff. I think that show kind of, it wasn't forcing, but recommending that they go to this awful place yeah and the way that it's decorated and seeing everybody there roger davies and his woman and everything and just the suffocating atmosphere of it like this is more suffocating than trelawney's classroom honestly (laughs) obviously i'm somebody who is going to much more prefer to be in trelawney's classroom than this hellhole i don't know if anyone would prefer this well (laughs) i know a lot of romantic hoes out there who i'm sure like i know people who love valentine's day it's their favorite holiday Ew, I don't know people like that. It confuses the shit out of me. Trust me. I think them going to this location was a mistake. Right, that's where she and Cedric had a date. 
And I, of course, like it drummed up thoughts. I'm just going to talk about this now. Hermione gets into it in the next of like, well, you should have really thought about it this way, blah, 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 blah. And like you said, like people may say that Harry's dumb. No, the way that Cho reacts is kind of out of the norm. Yeah, she's been through some stuff. She's thinking about Cedric. Sure, Harry might be open to talking about what happened with Cedric a little bit with but- you, but not here. Yeah. We're in a public place. It would have been better to talk about this stuff at the three broomsticks over a butterbeer, honestly. If you have to pin it on somebody, I think it's Cho. I mean, yes, but also at the same time, I don't really want to pin it on either of them because clearly she did not get the help she needed over the summer. Her parents, who she lives with, were not there for her. We watched Harry suffer all summer and he doesn't have anyone. And Cho lost her boyfriend and... I know that they're teenagers, but losing a classmate in any regard is hard. So if you're one dating him, your parents weren't supporting you, giving you the attention you need, the reassurance, talking through this with her. She comes in, I think, to this year having nothing resolved. Right. Now she's got Harry, who she knows is attracted to her, and she's like, yeah, I could be attracted to him. She's trying to approach it from a I could be with him standpoint, but then she, she has all these missteps, like you mm-hmm. said. Well... It probably could have been a little better had someone helped her through this. I mean, we have already talked about school counselors multiple times, but here's like another. But like also your parents, like the grief of that because Cedric died and she went home for the summer. And she has parents unlike Harry, so there is that. You can blame so many different people for this old thing building up to this point. Ultimately, Cho also has to kind of understand where she is going through and processing all of this. And now the awkward teenager stuff where that comes into play is like, okay, maybe before going on this date, because there was a lot of pressure, I think, for Harry to take Cho after the kiss. Maybe this is something that should have been talked about. If that had been done first, then they could go into here with both of their expectations more even. Harry, perhaps, is the one who has expectations of this being a date, talks about the pressure that he felt to hold her hand. You can't go into a romantic location like this, quote-unquote romantic, and think Harry wants to talk about your ex-boyfriend. No, Mm -hmm. that's like dating rule number one, okay? Especially when everybody around you is making out. But the part where it really falls apart is when he mentions Hermione and she's, like, jealous. There is that, too. That's the part where I go, Cho, you fucking should know better. Yes, because even Hermione in the next chapter says something along the line. I mean, Hermione is wrong and he's a butt the fuck out. Yeah, like, oh, you should have said Hermione's so ugly. I'm sorry. First of all, that is assuming that everybody is more shallow than you. If he would have said said that to Joe, I almost feel like Joe would have reacted differently. She already has said several things about Cho to Harry about how she's processing everything. So what if Cho views Hermione as a friend? Maybe this is to be on Cho's behalf. Maybe Cho then is thinking, oh, I thought Hermione was a friend, whereas she is seeing Harry behind my back. But Harry even is like, uh, Hermione said you could come with. Like, right. We have said this several times on the podcast. What's wrong with platonic best friend? Yeah. The fact that Cho automatically kind of jumps out to conclusion, I'm kind of like, do you not really know either of them that well to, <laughs> to know that that's probably wouldn't happen it's neither here nor there it is just a kind of an unfortunate thing it really is you know i'm gonna say this now too they do cut it out of the movie and i'm kind of glad that they do because a i'm like, okay with that there's no marietta edgecomb to fuck things up in the future so that would even paint yeah. cho as <clears throat> worse and secondly i think that because of the whole platonic thing and because it kind of doesn't go anywhere. Joe has this weird awkward thing that makes Harry feel even worse 
and then the next chapter it gets mended. Seamus also turns around in the next chapter, thank God, but that is handled better. That shows like at the beginning, Seamus's was in a different place and something has occurred or several things well, have occurred. Well, Seamus came right out at the beginning and was like, I don't believe you and here's why. That and too. we talked a lot about that extensively, but that trajectory makes more sense. This trajectory <clears throat> does not. There's just a lot of teenage emotions, which is why I wouldn't be like, this person is at fault. But, like, I'm annoyed by a lot of the things Cho does. Mm-hmm. I'm mad at Hermione for being annoyed with Harry for not handling uh, the way she thinks she needs to do 100%. It. And so I'm just going to say it right now. I'm saying a lot right now of stuff that happens in the next chapter because this whole storyline is so fast and it's all kind of connected. I do take points away from Cho and then I give her some back for like making up in the next chapter. But I do think that Cho makes some bad decisions here. Likewise, I take points away from Hermione in the next chapter because of the way that she handles this thing with Cho and Harry. I have had so many people with some of the people that I've dated in the past where like their friends get involved. And I don't think that's Uh ever a good idea, Uh especially sure you want your friends to like your partner whatever i get it but right there in those early stages like that meddling is so dangerous hermione kind of does it (laughs) she pulls some string hermione Um, is very problematic in both of these chapters i think yeah totally now where i do appreciate hermione and sure she is still kind of like butting in where she shouldn't but it plays in her favor because i would never have thought like they even talk about when they go to the three broomsticks and we'll loop back to hagrid because we need to talk about that really briefly too but i would never have thought that we would see hermione and rita and luna sitting at a table together and then hermione inviting harry over however at the same time the book covers that it's like Harry's even shocked to see them. Even though Hermione kind of crosses the boundaries, I do enjoy this. Let's talk about Hagrid first, though. Yes. Oh, wait. Actually, I'm sorry. I have two things uh, to say just about this trip to begin with. The fact that Cho says the thing about Dementors not being there is a oh, really good what? thing to bring Yeah, up. when she pointed that out, I was like, yes. Yeah. This is a problem. Yeah, so good on you, Cho, before this little episode. Mm-hmm. Well, and Cho has been on Harry's side from the beginning. It sounds like her mom is like, eh. But Cho's not an idiot. I mean, she's a fucking Ravenclaw. Yeah. I don't like Cho hate. Like, I get frustrated with her in this book. But, like, she's a really smart person. She's a good person. She's been through some shit. Mm-hmm. She works for it. Real proud of her. Because no one's talking about this. And she's like, wait. Remember when Sirius Black escaped and there were all these Dementors and now there's zero and there's all these Death Eaters? So Sirius Black, if he supposedly killed 13 people and there are like, what, how many Death Eaters got out? Like 12? Yeah, 10. Like between like all of them, do you think that they have killed more than 12 people? Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We didn't even touch on this, but of course there is Neville that is in, Susan Bones is another person who mm-hmm. is brought up that these people... Their families have been affected by that. Yeah. Well, and because obviously the whole thing with Sirius Black was that it was on the DS but they, the ministry, knew that Sirius Black would be going after Harry. Yeah. So specifically placing the Dementors in Hogsmeade and around Hogwarts because they know that he's going to go back to Hogwarts, I guess is different. But wouldn't you want something to protect the future of your fucking world. Yeah, Why are these you people not? Yeah, they are going to go for Neville and Susan. What if they are? Harry is like a Jesus boy, and of course now Harry is insane. Yeah, so they, let, they fucking cares? hate Harry now. Cares so about it doesn't matter. Else. They're like maybe There's Harry no Jesus will get boy. a Dementor's kiss. It is real gross and. Good on Cho for pointing it out. Yeah. It was nice just to see someone who wasn't Hermione to point that out, honestly. The other thing that I thought of, and it actually comes up later where 
Pink Devil is like, well, you can't go to Hogsmeade anymore because you went and had this interview. Mm-hmm. Again, this happens in the next chapter, but oh, how dare you have this interview? I know this is Scotland, but freedom of speech, honey. I even hate almost saying that because people always want to tout that and it's like freedom of speech, freedom of press, whatever, but like you're still accountable for your actions and there should be accountability and whatnot. Anyway, I'm sorry. You cannot control what this boy does when he's not at your fucking school. I mentioned it previously about like the whole, you have a lifelong ban from playing Quidditch. Um, excuse me. When he's out of here, you can go suck ten dicks, you pink devil. Does she really think that Harry is not out here looking for ways around her bullshit? She has been giving him detention since the literal first day of class. Yeah. She has marked him as a problem child, and she still lets him go to Hogsmeade. So that's what I was going to get into. Refresh my memory on this. They need a permission slip to go to Hogsmeade. This is the only thing they need a permission slip for. Right. That should be signed by a parent or guardian. (laughs) I needed to, like, think back to book three because he does have the permission slip and he was going to have Vernon sign it, but then he blew up Marge, so he wasn't able to go. The people who signed the permission slip are Vernon when he threatened them with Sirius Black or it's Sirius Black who signed the permission. Sirius signs it. He does sign it. So wouldn't she be able to see that and be like, nah. Obviously, right. like, McGonagall and Dumbledore Maybe it's just on skill. file that he has it. Yeah. Like, because McGonagall has it. McGonagall obviously knows the truth. Yeah. Maybe that is what it is. But I was thinking that. I was like, how is he even allowed to go to talk to me in the first place? That gets, I hate to say the word solved, but... That gets solved by Umbridge that, in the next Because that's at the end of the third book, is him sending it to Harry by Owl. When yeah. like, ha, this is for you. Okay. And at that point, then Dumbledore knows the truth. And at that point, I'm sure that Dumbledore has told McGonagall the truth. Because McGonagall is Harry's head of house. I come into the series every time I read it and go, that bitch knows more than anyone thinks she does. Really almost as much as Dumbledore. McGonagall, yeah, of course. I mean, obviously she doesn't know about Horcruxes, I don't think. But everything else underneath that, well, she knows. She might know about Horcruxes, she just doesn't know. Know that about yeah. Dumbledore's process. Yeah. I wanted to get some of those details about Hogsmeade out first. Then, of course, he goes to the three broomsticks. I actually don't have anything written down about Hagrid, but the fact that it's included here, this little thing where Hagrid is feeling so down. God, Well, man. and it's like, it's, you know, <laughs> early in the chapter where Harry is like, everything that was worth coming to school is gone. Yeah. I know that it's mentioned in the last chapter, too, like when he goes back to school. He's going back to school basically because he has the DA. Otherwise, he'd be like, nah. It's reiterated again that he can't even see Hagrid because the teachers aren't allowed to talk to him. He just got Hagrid back, and then he can't actually have Hagrid. Yeah. I think the only reason that this is in here is to give a little bit of a hint about why he's, like, constantly has all these fresh cuts. Oh, yeah. Because he talks about family. And so it's like, grops coming. The grops be coming. Exactly. That's that's how I... The grops. Of course, we need to mention that little thing. It's that moment. I feel like everybody has been there, or maybe it's just us who enjoy drinking. You're at, like, a bar, and even if you're alone, kind of being like, I just need to have this drink Mm -hmm. to, like... Drown my sorrows. We are all Hagrid. We've all been Hagrid. We have all been Hagrid. And then this final little thing. I honestly, like, as much as you did bring up, like, it's forcing Harry to relive this trauma, I love it. I love it in the context of the plot. Yes. I am so mad at Hermione for it. All she had to do was, like, talk to Harry about it. I mean, I know she's like, I gotta rush off and do this. She should have told him. But then she doesn't actually talk to him about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad I got this. Yeah, meet me at the three broomsticks. I know you're waiting for that letter back from Rita. Obviously, the letter she receives that morning. Mm -hmm. I'll post. It's from Rita confirming she's coming. What happened between the time that you ran to send that letter and today? You spend a shit ton of time with Harry. 
You can't be like, hey, so this is my idea. Because Hermione does get everything with feeling. In the next chapter, Harry's like, you're great with feelings, but you don't know anything about Quidditch. Like, he gets that you're good at feelings and you're very smart at dealing with people. And she does not take the time the communication. to talk to him, to be like, yeah. hey, do you mind spilling your soul into what is essentially a tabloid to a woman who has ridiculed you yeah. in the press already? Talking about it in a public place. Are you okay with doing that? Yeah. She doesn't do that. Yeah. And then she, like, constantly shitting on Luna and the Quibbler, but she's gonna use her now. It's real gross, Hermione. That is another good point. This is why I say Hermione has more Slytherin in her than either of the boys. Yeah, well, you make a lot of great... She's very ambitious. She's so smart and very ambitious. You make a lot of great points here that I didn't really think about, but also the desperation of Rita to be like, this bitch is reaching out to me. I need to make some coin. Mm -hmm. This also shines so much light on Rita's character and why she was like that. She's a businesswoman. She understands what are going to get people to read. And like, she's like, this is not about the news. This is about what will make Rita is not a villain. She's an antagonist. Yes. You called her something in the last book that was the perfect word for her. She's opportunistic. I think that's what it was. Yeah, she definitely is. And that's what it is, which you see some of that and you see a little bit more human in her here too this is what I was waiting for with Rita because she is a Slytherin character she's got that ambition but there was always something I don't like about her and you know she's drinking her fire whiskey and everything like it would be cool to like hang out with her mm-hmm. and outside of a business situation because she doesn't have that fucking quill with her all yeah exactly I liked this scene more for Rita but I think you make so many good points about Hermione like she shits on Luna earlier she shits on the quibbler she's had this vendetta against rita this whole time like what would compel her to do this that's the thing that makes me agree well there's other reasons why i agree with you about hermione being when she blackmails rita into doing this obviously like yeah it does have positive consequences for hermione and harry i think for for rita Yeah. yeah For everyone, the Quibbler, you know, but we could have done this in a less dickish way. Yeah. I mean, to talk about ambition and opportunism and all of that, Hermione did the same thing that Rita would have done. Mm -hmm. Because she thinks, well, Harry's never going to agree to this if I say up front what's happening. Hermione, you should be communicating this stuff. Similarly, like with the Cho stuff, let's say that Hermione knew more than she let on. What if she were to say this stuff up front? Like, you guys are best friends. Obviously, Harry's going to say, I'm meeting up with Cho at this horrible little fucking tea shop. Just to let you know, she might want to talk about Cedric. That would have been a better thing. If Cho's not going to say that, Hermione's at least the person to say it. Yeah. I always think back to when Ron and Harry were fighting in the last book and she went on a walk and I'm like, yes, that is the Hermione that we like. There have been multiple opportunities for Hermione to do this and she is like being shifty. I would go so far to say that this conversation benefits not everybody in the room there, but it benefits Seamus. It benefits the world. It does. Come on. You could have been more forthcoming. He literally just had a shitty date. He does not know what to expect. He walks in and he sees a woman who's literally like belittled him in the paper. Well, I will go so far to say he had a shitty date. Then he is with one of his best friends who is in a low place and he's feeling bad for one of his best friends. Yeah, Rid. And yeah. then... Rita has not exactly given him anything fair. Like, she has horribly treated him. And now he has to talk about his trauma yeah. with her. It's not like he's giving this information to Humphrey or McGonagall, a teacher he trusts, because he's not allowed to. Right. I mean, maybe that is why Hermione almost stooped to this level. Luna's there, too. Luna's like the fourth wheel, almost, in this conversation conversation 
it's fine. Luna's fine. But it feels like Rita is more human in this moment than Hermione. Because Rita's also like, why should I trust you? And Hermione doesn't do a great job negotiating and everything, but I am but like... But Rita's stuck. She really doesn't really have a choice. She totally doesn't have a choice. This is why Hermione did not squash that bug. There was something about this conversation, and even after our conversation now, that I'm like, I'm more team Rita than I'm team Hermione in this moment. Because she is desperate. She has fallen pretty far here. Let's talk about that. Like Her nails are chipped. Her glasses are kind of fucked up, etc. Her hair isn't as, like, quaffed. <laughs> she fell from this pedestal, and so now she's got to get back somehow, and it almost almost turns her around a little bit. Oh yeah. Good job, Rita. We first played this game with Roxana. And so I was like, we're going to play this game just you and me now. Okay. Do you remember what it is? I have an idea. It's word collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> She's upset. She never <laughs> likes my games. We have to not play Would You Rather every single time. No, no, you're good. <laughs> So I have, sure, let's say that it's five ladies, and let's see how far we can get to agreeing about them. So if you recall, I'm going to say the name, and you say the first word that comes to your mind about this person. Uh-huh. Okay. The first lady is Bellatrix Lestrange. Psycho. Oh, oh sorry. Evil was my word. But oh. yes, let's do the one, two, three. Psycho, evil. All right. Next one. Ready? One, two, three. Murderer. Ooh. <laughs> That's close. <laughs> All right. Pink bitch and murderer. One, two, three. Umbridge. Oh. Girl. Yeah. Wake up. Wake up, Pearl. All right. We got far enough with Bellatrix. Let's try the next one. Yeah. Next one is Rita Skeeter. Now remember. One, two, three. Say a word about Rita Skeeter. Mm-hmm. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Banana Sneaky. lady. <laughs> Sneaky banana lady. Sneaky banana lady. All right. Ready? Oh, sure. One, two, three. That's... Chiquita! She's sneaky banana lady? She's sneaky now. She, now she is. So we have Chiquita. to do Chiquita lady and then... Okay. okay. All right. One, two, three. Vibrator! <laughs> what did you say? I said bad fruit. Bad fruit vibrator. <laughs> All right, let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Cucumber! Because I do not like cucumbers. And, and, I don't, and I don't like the idea of that. And, but some people do it. All right, let's move on to the third one. Ready? The name is Cho Che. Ready? Mm-hmm. One, two, three. Sad. Desperate. I mean, we're closer with this one. <laughs> Sad and desperate. All right, ready? One, two, three. Trelawney. Me. <laughs> we got there. Oh, there we, we are. It's it. the same one. <laughs> Actually, the next one is Sybil Trelawney. <laughs> Ready? One, two, three, and <laughs> And the last lady on this list is Valentine's Day. <laughs> she a lady, I decided. Okay, all right. Ready? Valentine's Day. One, two, three. Go nope. fuck yourself. <laughs> we did it. We won the game eventually. I'd say we won that game all five times, honestly. We got pretty close. <laughs> we're we're awesome. That one is the stupidest game, but it is really <laughs> fun to do. Really it's funny. really fun to do. You I have think. to like get in the rhythm of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the movie, we do get the thing at the beginning with, and it's cool the way they do it with the Daily Prophet. I always kind of like when they do that whole thing, and we see a lot of Bellatrix just the strain. Oh God, yeah. And you give her her first few minutes as Bellatrix. Yeah. 
Well, she gets him in the fourth movie, but it's a flashback. She's brilliant. It's incredible. It's like six seconds of her just being brilliant. Brilliant and crazy. That's what she does best. Yeah, the fact that it is Helena Bonham Carter, and like obviously we're going to recognize Perfection. Perfection, great casting. When we were watching it, too, I was like, okay, so how did they escape? And you were like, <laughs> Voldemort. I was like, so Voldemort put that like gar in the building, and like, I'm sorry, more than 10 or 12 people escaped. Right? I'm like, <laughs> the whole dire fucking so, Someone took left. a bite out everyone of the Everyone left. I mean, that's a good portion of the people. Right? People on the other side of the building are like... And you got all the fucking Death Eaters in the same area? Spread right? those motherfuckers out. Right? I didn't even think so that until right now. what happens you let fucking... Sheets of poles run your establishment. Exactly. exactly. And now you ain't got no sheets of poles. <laughs> you got rid of all of them. Also, I was like, mm, you gotta think that Sirius Black is, I mean, allegedly he murdered a guy and only left his toe, but taking a bite out of a building is quite different. Right. Really? Sirius Black did that? Okay. Okay. So we do see that. This happens in the next chapter, but this is where, because we don't get any of the Rita thing, which is a big loss to me, because uh, yeah, that's what was the most interesting to me about this chapter. We don't get any of that, but this is where Seamus is like, oh shit, stuff is going down. I believe you, Harry. Yeah. Which I think that that's fine, like the way that they handled that, if they yeah. wanted to do the Rita thing, like to have Seamus be like, everyone's fucking escaped. Gee, Sirius Black escaped two years ago and these people didn't escape yet. So maybe Harry's right. Yeah. You so, see, I just feel like you see Seamus come to a logical conclusion. I mentioned this earlier during my notes on the last recording, but we started at the point where it's actually Christmas still and they are in the parlor or whatever. So mm-hmm. we watch through that. Then it goes back to the school and there's this moment of Hermione being like, Hagrid's back. So they run down to his hut and Umbridge is in the hut already talking to Hagrid. And then she like spits herself with perfume. Like, bitch. Oh my God, yeah. That perfume ain't helping your stank ass. You gotta go douche or, or something, all right? So she leaves. They go in. They have this very brief thing with Hagrid. He's like, a storm's a brewing. Okay, let's try to make some connection. It's like Hagrid kind of like he wasn't three broomsticks. I know it's a stretch, but that happens in the movie. And then I think the next thing that happens is the whole newspaper thing. And then Seamus. So my favorite thing about the movie is like how they handled the breakout and Seamus obviously, because it bounces the fuck around at this point. I'm like, at what fucking point does this happen anymore? Yeah. The things that they cut out were two of the most interesting things in the book during all of this. You know, I already talked about how we're starting to see the Pink Devil's control starting to wane. But what happens in the next chapter really starts it. So the fact that they cut out the Rita Skeeter interview and St. Mungo's, I'm like, okay. Those are two things I would have loved to see. Or at least it would have been so cool to see the disheveled Rita Skeeter in like a cut scene. Right? Because also she's amazing. Like, yeah. Give that bitch Miranda more Richardson? Yeah. Yeah, she is when. Yeah, she is. Rita, yeah, not so much. Not so much, although... But Miranda Richardson... <laughs> Deep in my heart, I know Rita Skeeter doesn't deserve Quinn, but after this book, I mean, she's going to come out of this book with positive points. Right. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm going to give them Miranda Richardson as far as Quinn status, but... And, like, yeah, give her... You got fucking Helena Bonham Carter for two seconds. Bring back Miranda Richardson, goddammit. And bring in a black actress to play Dillis... Derwitt, or whatever her name was, the healer. Oh, yeah. Bring her in. Show us everything amazing with St. Mungo's. 
I mean, they would have to maybe pay for more actors to play Neville's parents, bring in the motherfucking Lockshart again. I mean, because I was we're gonna, okay without Lockshart. We Jamie are. Thompson's like, I, I we agree. Don't need him. We totally <laughs> don't need him. The way I got to that point was like the boat thing would have been maybe interesting, like a, yet another clue about the Department of Mysteries. Sure, there's a lot of little details there. I just feel like those are some of the most rich things in this book so far that get me excited. Yeah. Because Pink Devil is dragging everything down. Okay, I do have kind of a lot of points. I am going to first give 10 points to Trelawney, to Susan Bones, to Neville, to Lee Jordan, and to Broderick Bowes. Four of them are antagonized by the Pink Devil. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't really even talk about Lee having detention. Or Lee. That happens as well. So, um, and then Broderick Boat dies. And I'm like, well, he's a new character. Let's throw him some points. I'm also giving 15 to Hagrid. He is also being antagonized by the Pink the Devil. Worst. But, like, the fact that we get that little scene with him, too. Yes. Let's give him five extra points. I'm also giving five to Ron. We had a very brief moment of him being like, ugh. I can't go to Hogsmeade because I have to go to practice and he isn't feeling very confident. And then 20 to Rita and Luna for that final episode, but none to Hermione. I was going to give some to Hermione too, but I'm like, you know what? She really is kind of being a little bit shysty. So none to Hermione. I am taking 15 away from Cho because I do think when it comes down to it, she really could have handled everything better with that fucking adorable Madame Puttyfoot. That place just sounds like not my place, so I want to get No. Oh, absolutely not. And negative 100 Tombridge. Because as I mentioned several <laughs> episodes ago now, 50 is the benchmark. I feel like she has well exceeded that. So negative 100 from her. She's going to be like negative 1,000 by the end at this rate. Maybe more. Maybe more. Next time we will be discussing chapter 26, which is a lucky Seen number for me. and unforeseen. Seen and unforeseen, which is, uh, I like the name of that chapter. I have a feeling you would It's like it. a little bit spooky. A little spooky, I mean. A little spooky. It's, a I, lot happens. In a this lot chapter. happens in this chat. This is one of those, it is a roller coaster. So maybe unseen and unforeseen is a good name for it. We will catch it on, babes. Bye, loves. Have a great uh, time of day. Whatever you're listening. Bye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!